That's the saying, right? I'm going with it. I'm committing to it. I'm committing to laser breath. I'm committing to Patrick Stewart getting drunk. I'm committing to the unspeakable things that Mike Myers does. <laughs> it did make friend of the show. I mean, having him there for Thanksgiving was a little weird. I did not have but... the gravy. <laughs> Welcome, welcome. Welcome, nerds and nerdettes. Welcome, obscurials of all shapes and flavors. You're listening to the, the Nerd, Nerd Obscurial Podcast. Podcast. Hey, I'm Eric. And the Oklahoma kid never drew first, but he drew first blood. Oh, would be better with Oklahoma kid never drew first, but he was the only one to holster. <laughs> that's not bad it, yeah. <laughs> i was direct quoting from the bon jovi song young guns from the soundtrack of the movie young, young guns 2 yeah so i was i was sticking true to the true to the quote but that I is didn't, i didn't that is pretty good i didn't really have that in my mind tank and that's why you fail that's it is yeah so you know behind the curtain breaking fourth wall uh gang we thought we were gonna have one episode where we did a Tournament of Champions, which may or may not be... It'll, yeah, no, you'll have already heard it. You'll okay. have already heard it. So, uh, which may be familiar to you by now. And then another kind of playlisty kind of thing, kind of like the road mix we did on the same Which they episode, will not have heard yet. Which you but don't know will, about that yet. They will be going to have, have been going to be hearing about it. This one's going to premiere before the other one, though, right? This one is going to premiere between the underrated tournament and the road mix. So so behind the tournament, but if before the road mix. Behind the tournament? The tournament is going to air first. Well, then, you know, there's no reason for me to make this preface. I thought this was going to go first for some reason, so I was going to explain. Well, anyways... No, I'm going to do the other one first. Okay. So the tournament... Then I think what's relevant for people to know, that was the first time we had done just a one segment show. And it kind of hit us by surprise. 
because we did a, what we thought would be a normal show, and we had a tournament of champions planned for mm-hmm. being partnered with that for that episode. With the awesome mix. With the awesome mix. Which we'll explain. But the awesome mix, uh, no, we, they've already heard the awesome mix by now. No, this is the introduction to the awesome mix. Oh, I got that all fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So you've, they've already heard then the Tournament of Champions. Yes. Tournament of Champions will have been last episode. Okay. So, and this, what we're going to do this episode, was going to be... You should have explained this the whole time. Well, yeah. Oklahoma, I'm doing a terrible job. Yes. And it's fun to watch. <laughs> no, yeah. So we recorded as if we were going to put out the Tournament of Underrated Bands and tonight's segment together as one episode, back-to-back, episode. you know. It ended up way too much material. I got really excited about the whole thing. It was definitely my wheelhouse. Let's just um, yeah, put we... our cards on the table. The idea, the segment for today, the idea is that we're both making awesome mixtapes, a la Guardians of the Galaxy, the way that Meredith Quill made one for Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord. Mm-hmm. And we both went very different directions in it. But I think both of ours, like, both of our mixes, if you had CDs made up of them, I'd probably buy I have to say, so yeah, like you said, behind the fourth wall, we are recording this introduction to this episode after having recorded the episode because the episode we did not, we did not realize it was going to be a full episode on its own. We um, just really needed some time to bask in the glory of, of us. How yes. great we did. I mean, I don't want to say hero, list. but, but I'm hearing it. Yeah. It's out there. It's on right. the streets. Yeah. So you said to me, do a mixtape like that would be our version of the Guardians of the Galaxy. We're going to get into Galaxy. it in awesome the episode, mix. though, too, right? Huh? We'll get into all this in the episode, too, right? Uh, we didn't do a super-duper great job of, of okay. explaining it, so we'll I kind of wanted to, like, that. recover that. You, you're, Oklahoma's the one who does all the editing. He knows what we're talking about. So if we should cover that in this intro, then let's do it, dude. And I was listening back to what we've already recorded, and it occurred to me... So you said we were going to do this thing, like the awesome mix that that the character of Meredith Quill gives to Peter in the movie Guardians of the Galaxy, and then in the meta sense forms the soundtrack for the movie Guardians of the Galaxy. And I should have clarified, we're doing it that like that as a premise. We're not trying to be like recreating what Meredith Quill did. At least this is what I thought in my brain. Mm-hmm. So it's just that, hey, I'm Meredith Quill. I'm charged with making a mixtape for my son who's never really going to know me because I'm going to die before he gets old. So what am I putting in to a mixtape for him to be able to listen to for all time to have that special connection through music with me and who I was at that time as a young adult? You know, she was really young when she died, right? Yes. She was like, was she even mid-20s yet? I think she was supposed to be like 20, let me, 25, 26. Right. I'll get into that later. And I kind of approached it more like looking at what that tape was and like what her specific mix was built to do for him. And then kind of thought about if I was doing the same thing, trying to, what would be the songs I would choose to have that same effect that her tape had? And I and what's here's what's interesting that it, that occurred to me. So that's the premise. That's what we were we were doing. And I realized we're both coming from this from the opposite perspectives because that never happens with us. It never <laughs> happens with us at all. Um, in the movie, you know, the Meredith Quill is dying of cancer, and then she's you know leaving this mixtape, you know, for her kid. You have a child, and I do not. And cancer. So I, I should win this argument automatically. <laughs> yes. But. <laughs> Sorry. That, I don't know why I say things like that. 
<laughs> no don't one have does. cancer, kids. <laughs> cut that, cut that, uh, cut that. <laughs> pretzels, blah, blah, blah. Don't smoke, blah, blah, blah. No, you, you have a kid and I don't. But I have had, and not when I was a child, I was an adult, but I have had a parent who has passed away from cancer. Uh, and you do not. Both yeah. of your parents are still very much alive. Right. Healthy? Well, yeah, you'll see. Healthy me, not my parents. What? Healthy me, not my parents. I don't know what you were saying there. Uh, who knows about it? I don't know. I can't, I can't vouch for your parents' health. I don't know what's going on with them. Well. I know they're still running around, being crazy kids, but... Uh, those those tykes, they those really got tykes. the moxie. Yes, my parents so you, are still alive and you, are not cancer riddled. Yes, ridden, you, ridden, uh, not riddled. They're very perplexed by this <laughs> cancer. How does that work? <laughs> you very much thought about it from the aspect of I'm trying to leave something of myself to this kid because I'm not going to be there. Thinking about like what would you do with your son? Right. Whereas I thought about it. What would you want to receive? Exactly. Like what did I thought about what did that tape mean to Peter? And that's how I built my list. I That's how I approached mine. I'm like, what is it that I would want? in Peter's position to be on What would be there to like soothe me? What would be there to like make me get that feeling that even though they're gone, it's still going to be okay? Exactly. You know, because I think that's like kind of what she was doing in the movie was, you know, knowing he's going to be grieving. And so having something of her that's very happy that would remind him of like the good times with her would help him deal with his grief. I I think if if we want to look at those as the dichotomy of the situation, I think both of us go into both of those worlds. I think I am conscious of like, and I say it several times, I want it to be happy. I want him to have a perspective where this is happy. I don't want all downer songs, even though I have that taste. Is Mm -hmm. actually, I you know, most of my playlists, most of my favorite songs are these fucking downer songs. If this means anything to you, probably Smashing Pumpkins was my favorite grunge band. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Of if you're of a certain age, and that means something to you. But it's it's yeah, just like the emphasis. And I think both of us that that idea tracks. And I think you're as well. It tracks with the idea that, oh, this is a lot about my taste and my likes. Like, you are getting a glimpse into me as well. It isn't just, you know, I'm trying to find nice songs for you. I'm also trying to show off some of my... Oh, yeah, no. I definitely had that aspect of it. But I I, I did think it was interesting. I think I, I do think you looked at it a little more from her perspective and I looked at it a little more from, like, his. Peter's, yeah. Yeah. No, and I think you're spot on there. But I think there's... I just wanted to point out that I thought there was crossover in both. There is, yeah. Both lists have... It's basically major minor right and the major minors got swept swapped with us whereas my emphasis was on you know the demonstration and still wanting to keep in the minor that oh i know this has to be received in that you're you know i don't want to have a bunch of downer or exactly crazy and then it was swapped away and then for you it was swapped the other way that i want this to be soothing for you but also i do kind of want to show that the minor is that i want to show you a little bit of who i was yeah i was Mm -hmm. that reason i think that they complement each other nicely yeah so i mean we just we did such a great job again and i don't want to say hero but you guys are in such for such a treat you probably should yeah you probably should you, you should really you need to just turn off all the other devices you have going on um stop driving down the road just pull over for a bit and, take a moment uh, of silence to recognize a, our greatness 
And uh, yeah, well, more than a moment. It's, it's, it's a good hour <laughs> you're going to be spending listening to how good I look. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like the whole, a whole hour of a moment of silence. And then they like list and then or no, they listen to the, the whole hour. They, they <laughs> so have to have a moment of silence. Fuck that. Let's take an hour. Yeah. They listen to they listen to the episode for one hour and then or autosode as the case may be. And then they have to pull over the car, stop and like spend an hour contemplating everything they've been <laughs> processing, everything they've just heard, because we are we are that question. Team. If there was media that had that requirement that literally was like, no, this is part of the contract that we're going under. We're going to give you this content and then you have to sit for a certain amount of time and reflect on it. Would you subscribe to such service? Depends what was on it. You have to assume it's got to be really good. I mean, I would hope it can't it's really be good shit. or else it's, they're probably no, not yeah, going to succeed. That's, that's just, exactly. That's just, uh, you know, the nature of things. If it's, if it's no good. Or do no they one, have Joe Rogan? No one of the two. If they get well, Joe Rogan, they'll be fine. Anyways, we've had quite a few asides here. And some of this, I think, will get a little overlap. So I don't want to go too much into stuff. No, I think we're probably good where yeah. we are right now. So this this will be the only segment for this episode, gang. It's a special double album. Double album. This is the Abbey Road backside of the album where it's all just one big song. And it's it's a medley. Let's get into Joiner and then we will see you on the flip-flop. Soup's on. Uh, welcome back. We're going to be going into my list first. And I may have mentioned it on mic, but I always worry about always having to go second that I'm trying to really like fucking eclipse Oklahoma by always like, oh, I get the final word. But then again, I put more importance on the final word, I guess. Like even when eating, oh, by the way, off mic, Oklahoma said just make a sentence or two and now I'm going into this big rant. <laughs> even when eating food, I always have the stuff I like the least I eat first. You know, like if I have like a salad with a pot to me or something like that i'll eat the salad first always eat the pasta and then i'm a fucking weird bread carb junkie asshole so the bread is always last and scoops up those last bits of sauce at yeah. the very bottom of the mm -hmm. plate like that's how you eat a meal that's the last thing you want and that's why dessert is always the sweet awesome thing at the end you know i eat in order of temperature loss of course you do yeah <laughs> Yeah, whatever's going to get cold the fastest, that's the first thing I eat. And then so I wanted to be conscious this time order. to go first because I feel like I always try to put myself in secondary position. You are going to get colder first, so. Yes, and I always, I always get colder first. A lot of it's poor circulation. A lot of it is snow catfishing. Call back. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into my list first, and then we'll hear from the amazing Oklahoma kid. So I would say there's probably, there's one band who actually their big hit is on here. And then there's one band that is like a generation changing band on my list, but not their big hit. I guess let's just get into it. The thing with the Guardians of the Galaxy that I did want to keep, that it has a really good start to it. Blue Swede, Hooked on a Feeling. And it's really hard to like figure out something to match that. Oh, wait, let me, let me ask a question. So sure. you went through song by song. No, not okay. at all. But I just felt like to get it on the first right foot, I was trying to think of what it could be that is even like close to that and that kind of feeling with it. 
Well, I mean, any mix, you gotta you gotta think about how you're gonna start off your your mixtape. Yeah, and this one is something that is the first song on this album. I felt like kind of has that feel and just has that. Ooh, hold on, real quick, real quick, real quick. We didn't think about this beforehand. Just hit me. I was thinking this whole. Well, so go ahead. Like for me, there was the double connection of like you're also making this mixtape, and I do want to have this here at the intro. You're making a mixtape for your kid because yes. you're dying of cancer, and like all that shit hits me way too hard now <laughs> because I have that kid, and like I'll just the smallest little things that are even close to that subject will make me blubber like a little fucking. Uh... That sounded weird. Let's can, can we have that one back? <laughs> Thank you, cats. <laughs> it uh, it makes me cry. Anything connected to like TV commercials. Well, if it has this father connection or whatever it is, like I'll start crying, you know. So that being said, there's been a point of connection with this soundtrack in particular with me and my son. And he really likes those songs. He loves Mr. Blue Sky. Mr. Blue Sky and the Dancing Groot. Mm-hmm. Uh, from volume two, and I think if this one's successful enough, we could maybe try to do a volume two mixtape. But I wanted to try to find something that would at least kind of match the tempo because it was so much on my mind, but also something definitely from my youth. And also just like a cool song, I guess, kind of like knowing your audience and like this is a a kid who's gonna be listening to this too. You know, like I I wanted them to be fucking bangers. I didn't want them to be like a bunch of sad, depressing music. And I tend towards that music. That's kind of where I like. And I was able to find stuff where artists like Elliot Smith you are, are yourself them. sad and depressing. So I am. So I was able to find spots where Elliot Smith could fit in this mix, but I didn't want it to be like the really fucking, you know, needle in the hay. Right. This is a suicide scene yes. songs, you know. You do want to have some of that optimism and happy and cool. So my first position, and maybe it doesn't make sense. But I do see a connection with Hooked on a Feeling is Guided by Voices, Teenage FBI. Someone tell me why I do the things that I don't want to do When you're around me, somebody else Someone tell me why I act like a fool probably doesn't make sense to anybody else but i do see that connection with the uga chakas and the little sound effects i don't even know what it is they're using there but it's still kind of like whippy sounding but it has that kind of you know feel to me so like you said we came up with the generation of the mixtape like not only were we with our tape recorders hitting songs off the fucking radio when we were super young yeah but by the time we got to about this age was in my life there were cd burners you would get you know all these different cds put it on your computer and make like 
like this special thing. Yeah. I was like obsessed with the idea of how one song transitions into the other. Right. And so I do want to have you here to the ends and beginnings of each song sure. to understand how one thing can transition sure. to the other because it goes in some places. Sure. <laughs> but before we transition and you listen to that uh, go between song, Guided by Voices, Teenage FBI, I fucking just always fucking thought it was a banger. It just fucking hypes me up. It, you get this feeling behind it. Being followed by the teenage FBI. Definitely like our generation there was this kind of like authority figures and stuff like that we're not trusted but it's funny the idea of like flipping on its head where it's like it's a bunch of kids who are FBI members but also I just think it's a really cool song and has a cool yeah and I think there's some some content there that any anyone would identify with if he's my kid he's at least gonna have to know that his dad was an awkward weirdo so yeah <laughs> he may identify with that uh, yeah. maybe not but I have noticed you you pay a lot more attention to lyrics than I do the actual words to me that's like the last thing I pay attention to in a song there's some cool shit oh no it's a very solid song it's a great like, song you need to listen to this because there's some cool music stuff going on here oh yeah no I'm not arguing I, Dry Divide Voices is great and that is a that is a great song it's really it's got a great catchiness it's got a great drive yeah like it's a it definitely got a pump you up pumped vibe yes like great way to start a party Yes. Get it, get the party. And like, let's get this party started that going. Was another thing that's a great one to put on and get everybody kind of like, yeah. And kind of the why I wanted to and be having the, a build the counterpart. Yes, it's got the cool build. And why I wanted to be the counterpart was because like when we listen to these songs in the car from Guardians of the Galaxy, like we're having a lot of fun. And like that was important to me that you know, like not all the songs are all fun, but even on the Guardians playlist not every song is like super fun and catchy but there's a lot of them that are and like you want to kind of like accentuate especially because it's such a heavy thing hey i'm dying of cancer you don't want to have a bunch of downer music on right. top of that yes. you want to have some fun cool music yeah but why don't i just for what i prefer i, I do love trying to have a good transition yeah to, to thread the to, to weave one sound to another and it's gonna get to a whole different sound it's something that i know oklahoma's gonna like Good match. Good matchup. The song Common People by Pulp. Yeah, I, I thought the matchup was pretty sweet and fucking love Pulp. And it's, it's surprising because it's a very British band. It's not something that really got a lot of traction here in the States. This song is fucking fire, in my opinion. I know it's the last thing you think about, but also in my mind, there is a reason to put it on here because what he's talking about, it's very much about class. The name of the album this is from is called Different Class. He, he's having this affair with this chick who's way upper class 
class compared Just to like him. It, right. And he he is the novelty because he's low class. Yeah. And he's the town. There's a whole thing about how like all of this is just pretend for you because you can always call your dad and make it right. have to deal with these struggles and it's a fun novelty you're thing a for you you're a, you're a tourist exactly and you're almost fetishizing me because i'm lower class and it's a really is a timeless at least as long as we have the class systems that we have <laughs> until we get to that uh, star trek utopia it's kind of a timeless that it does say a lot and has a lot of interesting things in the socioeconomical sphere of being on either side of that page yeah. and kind of just understanding the dynamics there. It's a really interesting, cool song. Why don't we 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 do our transition between the two? Like you said with the earlier two songs, there's a build and a build and a build and a build of this song. I'm a huge Tweety fan, just fucking adore Wilco. So I felt like there had to be something from Wilco. So it's Wilco shot in the arm. Wilco shot in the arm. I thought a good transition. They kind of go in the same spot there. Keyboardy thing going on. Right, but also kind of similar, the scale up and down, you know, like where they're going. They're not playing the same song. They're not in the same key, maybe. They're definitely kind of doing the same up and downs musically. This is just a fucking cool song. And it gets to that build too. And I, I do love Wilco. And there's some interesting stuff going on there. I think ultimately, if you really want to investigate it, there is a thing about addiction there. Yeah, it, it is a it is a great song. It also has that build kind of thing. Yeah. So it matches up in that kind of way. It's I think though of it's also the song of, so far at least it's the one where you can tune out the lyrics the most possibly yeah yeah this song in particular because there's a million Wilco songs I love uh, but this song in particular I wanted to put in there because it is fucking straight fire first and foremost
they have other songs like that but in the contrast to common people it is also doing this kind of thing of like Beatles White Album or something where it's like musically you know where you're at but also it's in this new area where it's like is this country is this electronica is this you know where are we musically you right. know this I isn't a defined genre here is it it's kind of both everywhere and nowhere at the same point you know yeah. I would say that Pulp had that quality as well like it was a little bit more poppy and maybe this is a little bit more country like could you call Wilco a country I group? mean Wilco I think it's if hard someone says give me one word to best define le- define them the word everybody's gonna use for Wilco is alt country yes yeah exactly I never thought of it this way, but I I am realizing more and more, and I I think that this would become a leitmotif within this mix. Embrace being what you are. Embrace being different. Don't worry. Like, you can make something beautiful and also not be in somebody's little box on, okay, you're country, and now you're rock, and now you're electronica. Like, you can meld all that together and just be you. Right. You know, you don't have to prescribe to one genre or the other you can just fucking good do good music and that's actually better because you're incorporating all that you know yeah and it may be similar to what we said already but there's also kind of a embrace the chaos kind of feel where there's all this other stuff going on but and yeah the mantra use is part of the embrace like you have this musical chaos going on but the same words driven home time and time again and that's how you kind of get that feeling of the embrace the chaos the next song i believe is my biggest hit i think this next one also is a banger and just fucking i think that the scene joins well in the thread so let's just listen to it
Okay, and so it's this, the Flaming Lips. This is the Flaming Lips. The song is called Bad Days. I, I think it, it's probably the, the biggest hit. It was on the Batman the Forever soundtrack. It was on the Batman Forever soundtrack. Which is a great fucking when, soundtrack, um, by the way. Edward Nigma have an existential crisis about working at Wayne Industries and oh you mean with the part where he goes back yeah okay yeah yeah that, that's when this song is playing because it's you hate your boss, boss at your, your job, job yeah in your brain you can blow his head off that's yeah. kind of you know it's the, it's the song that plays the pretty much that's that's the moment in the movie where he goes from being Edward Nigma to being the Riddler right <laughs> fucking banger song oh great song. really well within the context of all the songs so far so i will say this this one is probably the most popular of all the songs i have and also the flaming lips are probably the this is the most one hit wondery thing within my context this is how i'm going to explain that i know flaming lips are not a one hit wonder but this is like the one song that i fucking love of theirs total banger fucking have the song listen to it fucking on repeat but i don't have a ton of flaming lips albums like i don't do a deep dive and i know there's a lot there i know that they're a fucking great band but like i i couldn't besides this song i couldn't name five other more flaming lip songs frankly and i know that's on me i know that's on me i know i'm not trying to put that on anybody else this song is just fucking great though oh it's like there's no two ways and then also keeping up with the fucking light motif of a build Yes. This also has a does a build. Killer yes. build. Just like build, yeah. build, 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 motherfucker. Like it feels so good that build. Oh yeah. And I do love a build. Like oh, I I crave it. I love just that feeling of it going up and up and up, further and further. It's such an interesting song. You know, it almost sounds like a kid song. Yeah. Like because it's got the xylophone. Yeah, and, and this very got- kind of like sing-songiness to it, but not in a bad way. But then it's also like it's got these like. The, they're doing like some really good harmony on there too. Well, like, no, it's got, like the little is, Beach Boy style, like. No, there is, but there is like this uh, Lost Boys Peter Pan complex, as well with like the lyrics. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. That you, you don't want to get up and go to your job. Your boss is a fucking pain in the ass. Like you just want to fucking be a kid again. Yes. You know, there's a Arrested Development idea within the song itself which i think has like an exclamation point with the melodies like you're talking about yeah. like the, the harmonies and melodies that beach boy kind of feel yeah it feels very lost boys to me i can see that definitely um i fucking noticed like not intentional that this happened but i noticed definitely because it means a lot to me for the transitions and stuff like most of the transitions in the songs i chose just went all fucking weird at the end <laughs> just like distortion and atonal and like that actually made it in a way easier to be able to go from stuff like pulp to flaming lips or wilco like what would seemingly be not on brand genre choices you know what i mean 
Okay, well, I do have to say that I love that line, don't you ever change, you graceful little bashful hound. I guess I worry the most about the transition between these two things, but it definitely does have that build, build, build kind of feel about the song. I've for a long time been a big fan of Rufus Wainwright. This is Rufus Wainwright's, it's called 14th Street. It's from his album Want One. I felt like the piano in the beginning did kind of mirror the xylophone and uh, that there was uh, enough of a likeness to be a weaving. He's a hard one just to fit into a mix. (laughs) He, He definitely does his own thing and actually probably is more akin to pulp than Flaming Lips because of the like theatrical I was gonna nature. say yeah there's that theatrical kind of quality right hey, well then also like just pure musicality he, he's musically fucking gorgeous this is another one where it, just, it fills me with joy like it's just a very happy song it's got these great builds with it it's got these this great hook in the chorus and I, I just I love the song and I think it's musically pretty on par compared to the other stuff I've been it's playing. a good song it's a it's a good quality song. I mean, he's a talented guy. This you is know. the thing about uh, Rufus, though. It is important to point out. Uh, Loudon Wainwright III was a very celebrated folk, alt-folk, I think I would say. You know, like big buddies with uh, Leonard Cohen yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So this is his son, Rufus. Martha Wainwright, also an amazing musician. Has some great stuff, too. Rufus' sister. Right. The, and the, the daughter the of Lawden and Canadian folk music singer-songwriter Kate McGargle. McGargle, right. All of them are, are amazing musicians, but, you know, he, he in particular was uh, was a, a, an influence on me in my early years of understanding music. And so, like, Rufus holds a special place in my heart for that because there's, there's definitely, like, operatic, and there's no one that really sounds like him, you know? He's got a, his own distinct sound while still also, like, pulling a lot of different genres, you know, almost getting, like, a vaudeville quality somehow. And as well, there's a family thing, and I, I guess, like, I definitely get that out of Rufus's music as well. Yeah. Especially in context, what we're talking about with Rufus Wayne right here and the family aspect, to me, it's, it's like, it, there's this universality thing about it, but also a very personal thing about it. But it's also like the way 
I personally show love. It's like it's like cooking. Food is how you show love. You you cook this huge great meal and your whole family's around and they're eating the meal and they're happy with everything and everyone's talking and being together. And I know music has that capability and I felt like his family was like the epitome of that. It was the epitome yeah, of them all, all sitting around and like showing their love Sharing for each other through the way they could do music. Yeah. Just as, you know, when I cook a meal, I'm showing my love through the food I'm cooking. That part of it. But for me, it's one of those things that just, like, I'm going to keep going to the food thing. A house full of music is like a house full of good smelling food from the oven. Like, that's a house of love. Like, that's a house where, like, you want to be a part of that. Like, you know, there, there's something special there. When you have a whole house where people are playing music and singing and making songs and doing stuff like that, it's that same level of that's a house of love. Of So why don't we try to see how I did on my transition. It's meth. Elliot Smith. How, how, how did you think the transition was? I thought that was... No, it was all right. I, and it's the, the piano it's, melts. It's almost got... It, it, you know, the Rufus Wainwright goes out kind of on that banjo-y-ish kind of sound. I think it's a banjo. Almost kind of a saloony. <laughs> it almost kind of evokes this saloony kind of thing. Right. And then this one starts off with this kind of saloon piano right. kind of sound. Well, this is, you know? um, like Oklahoma mentioned, it's, this is uh, Elliot Smith. It's a song called In the Lost and Found, parentheses, Honky Bach, which I always appreciate it. That's it, nice. And that's, that's a pretty good description of it. it. And again, this is one of those things where it's like, this is why I had to be at like the list and my list. Like Rufus Wainwright, huge fucking fan, huge hard on for Elliot Smith, huge fan, huge hard on for like they're pretty much infallible. Like I love all the songs they do. Even if it's a fucking throwaway song for everybody else, I find a way to make it like important. The thing with Elliot Smith is that yes, that is him on piano. What people don't realize on most Elliot Smith albums, that's him on bass. That's him on drums. Oh, he wouldn't have studio as He would record the whole... He would do them all. I think he would come in and he would get like, you know, for certain solos, he would get friends who would have a bitching part or something like that. But he literally can play every instrument. Yeah, he and didn't do have like... Everything himself. He would, he would have some friends yeah. guest guest on certain songs but then, he 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 didn't have studio musicians being a backing on man. exo in particular i think there's a baritone sax and he didn't play baritone yeah. sax or anything like that so he would have some studio musicians come in but like but he, it's not like he had like a guy who was his studio drummer. one of those fucking next level musicians were like no he can just play them all could. he just could 
Pour one out for the homies. Uh, Pretzels like would Rufus. like to express their deepest sympathies to the family of Elliot Smith. Just like Rufus, it was hard for me to find a spot, but this is actually one of my favorite Rufus songs as well. And it's because it's honky bock and it's fucking weird. And it's like, but it's, man, that fucking man can make a melody. Like... It, it will, and as well, like I said, he, he's one of these uh, do-it-yourself kind of guys where all the backing vocals are him, and it, it's like, it is a departure for him while still being very Elliot Smith. But also, it's one of the few ones where it's like, okay, this isn't a suicide anthem. We can maybe include this in our list. Yeah. <laughs> because it's hard to find. I, He's I very dark. I love the guy. And um, and I don't even yeah. know if, if it's dark. Like, there's a, a light to his soul, but it's always towards the melancholy. It is always... Yeah, not necessarily dark. Melancholy, though. Yeah. It's not dark, but it's melancholy, for sure. And this one... Just because who he is, I think there's always a little bit of melancholy here, but it, I don't know if playfulness is the right word, but there, there is something that's definitely, we're not in the melancholy realm here. We're, we're working towards something. Transitioned into a group called Mercury Rev. There we go. Okay, thank you. Um, I knew song I knew the voice. Called, and I was like, 
Little Rhymes, and it's from Always Dream album. But very distinct vocalist. This song in particular, it wasn't until you mentioned it and is totally realizing now. Constant build, gotta be building, gotta be moving, gotta be building up, baby. There's one thing actually I do wanna talk about for actually quite a few of the groups on this list. A group that came later on in this list. My brother was in his room listening to them. I was like, oh, what is that you're listening to? I'm never gonna listen to that shit. And then about the third, fourth time, now it's like one of my favorite groups. So like, this was another one, Mercury Rev, where like the first time I heard it, I was like, ugh, I don't know. And I don't know if that was just because I was young, hadn't been a lot of exposure, but like it took about three or four times to really get in under my skin. Then once it was there, it was like, this is one of my favorite groups ever. This music is amazing. Like it's just changed my life. Mercury Rev, though, I think definitely was one of those bands. Deserta Song was the first album that I really, really globbed onto. And it sounds weird. The vocalist is kind of strange, kind of different, like not quite falsetto, but also not quite singing like from his gut. Like, what's going on here? It's not necessarily throaty. But this song I did want to include first because of the build, build, build. Love that kind of stuff. Little rhymes. It's just, it, the lyrics are really, they tickle me. The idea that like, there's these little rhymes that he tells himself and nobody else gets it, but like, it makes him feel better. And like, I feel like I really connect with that idea because I do that all the time. Even if it's like for my own little songs, I have these little rhymes I make up and they make me feel better and nobody else gets it. Or just, yeah, being weird and quirky. And I really connect with that I the, the I premise behind this song, the little rhymes thing. I wouldn't know because everything I do is a fucking hit with the people, man. So. Right. I'm, I am the voice of Salty Americans. I think there is this other thing where like being playful for playful's sake and I really, especially with the way the vocals sound for Mercury Rev, I get that real feeling of like, we're doing this for us, man. Like we, if we wanted to sell out and, you know, have the Guns N' Roses sound, we wouldn't even start down this path that we're at now. But like, but we're doing something cool and we're doing it for ourselves. There's an authenticity about it, but it's also, yeah, it, it is almost something as sweet as watching a little kid talking to his imaginary friend. That's kind of a feel I get out of Mercury Rev. And I think this song epitomizes that let the freak flag fly. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... Guided by Voices also has a lot of that too. They have some. They have a lot of songs where they're just like, we're going for it. You yeah, know, but they're this traditionally is what... rock sounding. Oh, like, they, they also that have That vocalist very... is like, it doesn't matter what song, he, however weird he's been. He has a great rock singer. He's got a voice. great rock voice. They've got some songs that are a 
those are just solid anthems. indie rock anthem anthems. hits. But they do have some where like there's some crazy songs on like 30 second songs where they're just like we have this weird bit, this weird little thing. It's not really like a traditional song. It's not a full out. It's just this little musical bit we have, and we're just we're not gonna try and force it into a song. We're like we're just here lay it is. It out. We're yeah. gonna lay it out. We had this little riff. We had this little like we liked the way it sounded. It's not gonna go any further than this. But we're just gonna throw it out there and you know dig on it. Absolutely. You know, and that that's similar to Mercury Rev. Yeah, I feel like Mercury Rev though, like Guided by Voices, is definitely like okay, this is a rock band, but they're gonna go to the beat of their own drummer. Uh, Mercury Rev is kind of like this albino where it's like if you were put out in the wild, you'd probably die. Uh, you're fucking really interesting and i'm fucking here for it you know guided by voice is not is not afraid to to kill their own dinner yeah yeah there's this thing about it it being like both dreamy and like kind of fucking it's kind of melding these two worlds it's it's a banger catchy song but it also got this kind of like dreamy feel to it you know what i mean and that that's kind of a cool thing you know, I it's got a little bit that. of atmosphericness to it. Right. But it's still but got it feels, the catchy hook. It's got the catchy hook and it gets you there, but also it feels like mercurial and it feels like you're, you know, in the isolation tank or whatever. And it's just kind of All things right, are Joe flowing Rogan. around. Oh, how did you get Joe Rogan, by the way? Dreamy, mercurial? It's the isolation what tank. What was the cute? Like oh. he has a whole thing about he like he's into the isolation tank thing. He likes to do his what's the the D, the DMT is the his drug of choice and he likes to he likes to do the DMT and get into his isolation tank so he can Molly? see no DMT is like a different DMT is like the it's the new LSD and it's uh, he likes to do that and get into his isolation tank so he can see like the machine elves that are like building the fabric of reality and shit sure. yeah I was just talking about like feeling in water and yeah. dreamy kind of thing not killing my own elk <laughs> almost I'm kind of like a like a weightlessness fe- feeling. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's what I meant by dreaming that. And being That's carried by the tide. The isolation tank. I wanted to get that idea yeah. of like weightlessness going. Yeah, being like one with the water. You just like, shh. Right, right. Yeah, I definitely I'll can still see. be ungrounded with the, yeah. the hooks. That's um, from Tricky. Makes me want to die. Premillennium Tension is the name of the album. This song just sends me into a trance. And it's the most downer, depressing, least buildy, least like... Well, it, it literally is a trance song. Like That's the genre. It is. it is a trance song. But this one just... 
sends me to somewhere else and I, I could just listen to this song forever. I love in the guitar parts. It's like, it's almost like listening to Thelonious Monk where like he's making a mistake. Like he's fucking up, but it ain't. It matches perfect. <laughs> you know, where it's like the music is not quite in tune, but also perfectly in tune somehow at the same time. Like, how the fuck does that work? But they do it, you know? This melody and this vocalist and everything, like, I just, it's one of my favorite songs. This is just one of my favorite songs, and I just had to have it on, on the list because it's, to me, tonally, it probably fits the least because it's, trance and it's you know kind of downer and kind of not happy and upbeat and all that kind of stuff and i really like tricky but this is like a diamond of the rough song from him his other stuff is really cool but nothing on this level of fucking amazing songs like this would probably for this generation this would probably be a top 10 easily for me First, Oklahoma, probably my most jarring thread from one to the other. In terms of going from one genre to another, yes, but I think the transition between the, the actual, like, what you actually hear, I think worked. Yeah, I mean, that's always my goal, is going from genres to the other, who gives a fuck, the fact, but just speed, tonally, yeah. stuff like that, it is, I think, the most jarring, although I hope it works. Uh, I think it works. So this was who we were talking about earlier, Bell and Sebastian. Mm -hmm. um, it's a song called If She Wants Me from Dear Catastrophe Waitress. But also, this is what kind of weirdo I am. To me, this this marks the rebirth that makes me want to die. Is kind of like the low point of my mix here. Mm -hmm. And this one, it's fucking so cheery. It just it's comes the light out of the end of it's, it's, Yeah, it's that rebirth. It's okay, we have a new birth. We got new fucking happiness, new light, light at the end of the tunnel. Like we've gone through the other side and now we're ready for heaven. It's the sunrise, watching the sunrise. The lyrics I want to highlight here. I 
I just love that sentiment of like, if I could do anything good, that's all that makes me better. Oh, actually, maybe I just want to be here with my friend. <laughs> you know, like, maybe that's the one good thing. I don't know. But like, that feels good to me, too. So I, I, I just want to accentuate that. So yeah, let's go to our next transition. The Good Life, Pinkerton, Pinkerton. fucking bangers on. Both of us were fucking sitting here rocking out. There was, and I drove some roommates crazy. There was like a year of my life where every fucking day, like, I got off work or I got out of class. I went back to my apartment and I put on Pinkerton and plugged in my guitar and I fucking played along and rocked. Like, I learned this album back to front and like every fucking day for a year. That was my unwind thing. I fucking played guitar along to it. Pinkerton has some fucking awesome songs. Oh, it is. But this one to me is probably my favorite. The hook and the chorus is fucking great, but like just it's so jumpy and fun for this one in particular. This list in particular was the natural choice, the content of the lyrics. It fits very much so into like, you know, we can go explore these heavier and other things, but like we need to have fun sometimes. We need to have fun. I think that's what this song really embodies.
This is a song called Sugar Cube, which I love the image. Try to squeeze a drop of blood out of Sugar Cube. I fucking love that. By Yola Tango. It's a really great song. It's got a great hook. It, it does make me feel happy and good with that whole indie rock undertone. Yola Tango a lot has a lot of stuff that has a very, very, a vibe that I would describe as shimmery and summery. Not yeah. summery as in like to sum up. Summary is in like the season. The season of summer. Yes. Right. I agree. Um, and there's there's a lot of just natural joy you feel from the music they're making. Yeah. And I think that's where the summary feel comes in. Okay, we got one more. Excellent this is choice. the last song. Excellent choice to go from on. Terror Twilight, the last album that Pavement would do. The song is called "And Carrot Rope." I've always had a special tenderness for this song. It's always been fucking weird, but fun, and just like that chorus. There's something about that melody combined with the dun 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 dun, dun, dun like it just it's just such a cool way to end something, you know? And I always like that Pavement put it on their last album as their last song and just like I totally identified it as just being this awesome way to get done with, with something. Like you just and in their very pavement way, just like let's fucking have a laugh on the way out. Pavement is the Salvador Dali of indie rock. Yeah. And that's why I love him. God bless him. And yeah, like, God, so formative for how I understood music, but also so formative for that time. For me, this was me just starting to understand what music could be and having people like Elliot Smith and Rufus Wainwright and Pulp, these more eclectic sounds. Mm -hmm be in the mix it was like i didn't want to run away from that and what that was an important part of my own musical upbringing if you will but also like i i needed to be true to that time so fucking guided by voices and pavement and yola tango like those were the jams okay well i think we should get a moment get uh to oklahoma's list on the other side you know like i said i'm always tentative i'm very anxious to hear oklahoma's list i know you like at least half of my songs for sure oh i'm sure i'll like even more and we'll, we'll we'll get into all that. But it's not your time right now. It's my time still. 
trying to wrap up. All right, all right. I'm just trying saying. to. You trying mentioned to... my name. I heard my name, so I tuned back in because the rest of it, I'm just kind of on autopilot. Pretzels would like to apologize to the Pilots Guild of America. Okay, people, you've heard my list. I'm pretty proud of it. I think it's pretty good. I think it's something that the next generation should Great be listening songs. to. Great songs. Why don't we get a little breaky and then we'll hear what Oklahoma's got on menu for us? Soup Zombie. <laughs> Hey folks, Oklahoma Kid jumping in here. I had a whole introduction about how, as I said, I approached the list a little differently than Eric did. And as I want to do, I got a little bit carried away and a little long-winded and it turned into a bit of a mess. So I'm gonna try and do a real succinct rundown here. Like I said in the intro, I tried to capture more of like the spirit and the feel that Meredith Quill's mix had, like what that would meant, uh, the place it, role it played in the story than the movie, the effect that her character was trying to accomplish with this tape for her son, Peter, and kind of what it meant to the both of them. And so I really kind of looked at the mix and tried to, uh, I set myself a couple rules to really kind of follow that spirit of it and recapture it. So the first thing was, these were all songs from more or less from the 70s. Ain't No Mountain High Enough came out in 68, I believe. And there were two songs that came out at Jackson 5 and one of the other ones came out at the very tail end of 69. But these were all songs that would have been on the radio during the 70s. Now, according to a tweet by James Gunn, official Marvel canon, is the character of Meredith Quill was 19 in the year 1980 when Peter was born. I was 19 in the year 2000, exactly 20 years later. So the 70s, what the age range that that would have covered for her, her, you know, junior high, high school years, essentially, uh, that for me was the 90s. So my songs are all from the 90s. Rule number two was, like I said, these were all songs you were going to hear on the radio. These were hits. So I went with things that were hits, that had some radio airplay that you would sing, especially on MTV. The videos were getting a lot of, getting a lot of airplay there. So these were all hits from the 90s. Rule number three, I really looked at the composition of the list and the kind of the tone of it. It's very upbeat. Like I said, or might be going to say, and somewhere in the episode, I could check it, but I'm not going to. I feel like the thing she was trying to do was really leave something that would be kind of like supportive. She's not going to be there and she knows he's going to be going through hard times. This music is the songs that she would have been playing around the house for him that were the good times music, something really to kind of carry him through, be a beacon of light to remind him of her and to be like she's still there kind of supporting him through his trials and trying to be, you know, giving him hope and encouragement. That's what I feel like the role this tape kind of was supposed to play in the story. And that's what I tried to capture. And so obviously there's not a lot of sad songs. There's not a lot of, you know, depressing stuff. There's not a lot of heavy or aggressive stuff. It's all pretty happy, catchy, upbeat stuff. There is one song that's kind of a kickback chill kind of song a little bit more, a little bit of a mellow vibe, but still kind of a happy vibe. It's a 10 CCs, not in love. And then there is one song that I, up until recently, would have identified as a slow jam. Now it's been brought to my attention, according to Wikipedia and many other sources on the web I checked. The slow jam really just means an R&B ballad, a love song. The ultimate slow jam from the 90s would be Into the Road by Boys to Men. The kind of song I was thinking of when I said slow jam was more like I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. Or a really prime example, the ultimate of what I thought a slow jam was would have been Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye. And there's a song that has that kind of vibe. It's not just a sweet song, a romantic song, or sad song, or slow song. It's got kind of a sexy vibe. It's got a groove to it. And that song is Fooled Around and Fell in Love. And so I tried to have one song that captured that. Eh, we'll get it. You'll see how that turned out. And then the rest of the songs were uh, real feel-good songs, because that's the vibe I think she was going for. I also looked at kind of the breakdown of how the songs, of what kind of songs were on this. And it's 12 songs, so I made it 12 songs. And she's got four songs on there. The There's four songs on that. I keep saying she. She's 
fictional character, but you get the idea. There's four songs on there that are really, that I think are identifiably rock songs. There's four songs on there that are identifiably soul songs. And then there's four that are pop songs. So I tried to mirror that breakdown as well. When I actually looked for things that would have been more pop songs, I'm making air quotes, but you can't see it. From the 90s, there really wasn't anything where I'm like, yeah, this 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 fits with my fifth rule, uh, which I'll tell you in a second. So what that means is I ended up splitting this list between uh, my kind of 90s equivalent. She had kind of, you know, uh, I think there was some glam, a Bowie song on, there's a Bowie song on there, there's a runaway song, so some glam, some punky kind of stuff. I went with alternative rock, obviously, being the 90s. And then for the soul equivalent, I went with hip hop, because that's something more I would have listened to in the 90s, but that kind of gets more of that other side of the spectrum of not being, you know, us. so it's not just all rock. But like I said, there was a fifth rule, and this is why no pop are appearing on my list. The fifth rule had to be, these were not just songs that were, I'm like, oh, nostalgia factor, remember this song. These are all songs I still rock to this day. These are songs I love, I have on my phone, I listen to them. I, these are all songs I have listened to recently. Like, none of these are songs I haven't listened to in the last at least two or three months, at least once, most of them more than that. So that was my general breakdown, and uh, let's get into it. Back to the show. So let's start off with this. I am still living with your ghost Lonely and dreaming of the West Coast I don't want to be your downtown I don't want to be your stupid game With my big black boots and an old suitcase I do believe I find myself a so Everclear, uh, yeah, Santa Monica. It is a banger. And I played I the shit out of this album. Why is this one actually number one? Because I think it definitely deserves to be on this list, but why is it the first song on this list? So I definitely wanted to, you know, because I love grunge music and I love the alternative and heavy stuff, and but I wanted to keep it more a little upbeat. So I was like, okay, there's not really a Nirvana song I would throw on here. There's not really a Soundgarden song I was throwing on here. And then I was like, oh, Everclear would be perfect. Like, that kind of catches a little bit of that grungy feel, you know. And, and it's also one that kind of has that build. It starts off with that little guitar, and he's doing kind of the simple riff. Then the rest of the band kind of comes in. Then they get the distortion. It has a build to it too, as well. So it's like to me, it felt as a great like way to kick things off. Kind of like that chorus. Get up to speed. Is fucking fire. And, just and it's such a catchy, like, yeah. And actually, I've always really liked cutouts where like all the other instruments would stop, and then you have some lyrics, or all the instruments stop, and you have some guitar or whatever the yeah. instrument may be. And they do that really well, like going into the chorus. And the beginning of verses and stuff like that. They they they're tight. It's a tight band because they have all those breaks in between to like focus something. Usually it's the vocals. Focus the vocals by itself for a second and then get into it yeah. fucking without a fucking hitch. You know. This is a song I listen to a lot on my way to like to get me to work because it's like going to work. You're just like ah. And this is a song. This is one of the songs I go to a lot. Like I put it on in my car. So just be like, all right, get you pumped up, get me pumped up for the day. Let yeah. help me get me through, you know? right? And then from there, let's hear that transition. Yeah. 
did not see this coming at all. Very surprised. No doubt. The album is Tragic Kingdom, the third album, and the song yeah. is the title track is the first track, not title track. Spider Webs. Tragic Kingdom, but that was Tragic Kingdom was the title track. It's at the end. I know, but that that was their um their big one, right? It was. They Don't had to, Speak was on that. Don't one. Speak is on it. Yeah. No, they have is to, I'm just a girl on that. Was yes. that on their second? Oh, album? Oh yeah. No, their first two albums. So their first two albums were pretty were like much really no low key. Really right, low key. Right. Yeah, there wasn't no. any big hits. No. I'm just a girl's were really where they, they changed. Yes. That's why. I, that's why they hit big. Yes, they did not have a hit like really get on the radio until Tragic Kingdom. And this album blew the fuck up. Right. This one in particular, I appreciated because the other big hits from No Doubt from Tragic Kingdom don't speak as a traditional ballad. Spiderweb is definitively ska. There is the fucking horns there. Like, it is really No Doubt being No Doubt at their best. And it's got great hooks as well. Yeah. It rocks out. Right. When it hits that chorus, that fucking shit bangs harder than all those other ones and does get that feeling of like... It's got a fist pump. You're in a fucking concert and it's a ska thing and you're fucking, you know, at the Warp Tour. You're moshing. <laughs> you're moshing. You're wearing your vans. You're pumping your <laughs> And it's got those great horns, the little slowed down ska section and then it brings you into the punky ska section. Man, you know, people today, you know, know who know Gwen Stefani and nothing against her, but she, you know, she's a pop musician. I remember when she was a fucking rock singer, you know? Right. She was a punk. She had such a great, like, presence and attitude, and the band was great. I learned that album fucking front to back. Like, I learned how to play everything but the drums on that album. I would, like, like I talked about Pinkerton, but the, the year, there was the year where I would, like, go home every day and play Pinkerton. Three years before that, it was no doubt. Like, that was, I would go home from school, and I would put on the No Doubt record, and I would play all the, I would play through the album, you know, along with the album on, on bass. Then I would put it on again and play through it on guitar. Then I would put it back, go back to the start of the album, and I would do all the horn parts on my trumpet, you know? Like, I would just fucking rock that album, Tragic Kingdom. I learned that shit, and I was just, that was my gig.
Here I go, here I go, here I go again, girls. What's my weakness? Okay, then chillin'. What's nice about that song is that you can fit that song anywhere on any kind of mix, any kind of shit, and like that's always just gonna be like oh shit <laughs> you know like there's never gonna be a bad spot to put that in an album <laughs> it's pretty solid salt and pepper shoop you know like i said i tried to split it between the rock and the hip-hop oh you want to talk about a great 90s hit hip-hop just fucking good song good time song and i think there's a really uh important benchmark in the 90s like without Without salt and pepper, there's no fucking making Minaj. There's no Cardi B. There's exactly. no Megan the Stallion. There's no, all yeah. these people that came afterwards. They're, like I said, it's something I still rock out to. I still fucking love the song. I still put the song on. This song is fucking And But it's also very much of that. It takes me back to that time. That's why it's on here. California Love, Tupac, and Dre. Something that I think doesn't get highlighted enough. Dre's a fucking awesome rapper. Oh, yeah. Like, he, like, it's always, oh, the auxiliary. Like, oh, yeah, he had Tupac. Oh, he had fucking Snoop. Oh, he had Eminem. But, like, you never hear him mentioned of, like, best rappers of all time. But he's definitely in the conversation, right? Like, what, oh, why, yeah. Why aren't we talking about this more? Now let me welcome everybody to the wild, wild west. A state that's untouchable like Elliot Ness The track hits your eardrum like a slug to your chest Like a vest for your Jimmy in the city of sex We in that sunshine state where the bomb ass him be The state where you never find a dance floor empty And pimps be on a mission for them greens Lean mean money making machines serving fiends I've been in the game for 10 years making rap tunes Ever since honeys was wearing sassoon Now it's 95 and they clock me and watch me diamond shining Looking like a Rob Liberace It's all good Like, with like the his tournament. beats are amazing, but like he's a fucking awesome rapper. With, with the tournament of underrated bands, underrated rap, underrated rappers, Dre is like number. He's number one, number one seed he's on my seed list, and probably first unbeatable. Seed. Yeah, where it's just like we think about him as this producer, as this guy who brought us Snoop, who brought us NWA, and it's just like 
he throws down some great fucking verses. You know, this one is a classic. He's got that fucking, like, swagger about him, like, when he raps. I think he's really, really cool. There's other rappers like, all right, I got to prove myself with my flow. And Trey's like, look, I already won this game with my fucking sick beat that I already threw down. That was me, motherfucker. You know, I already made this a hot track. Now, fucking prove, now, <laughs> now I'm going to fucking ice the cake. You know, I'm going to fucking put this thing in the bag by scoring four more touchdowns on you, motherfucker, with this kick-ass verse I'm going to throw down. Right. And then, oh, that wasn't enough? Let me introduce you a dude named Tupac. That's right. right. I'm bringing this to the world. Right. Or <laughs> you're, Snoop Dogg. You're welcome. Or, or Eminem. Eminem. It's or like, like a, the list Cube. keeps going down yeah. every time he fucking makes the song. Yeah, definitely the most underrated by far, um, in my opinion. And then you've got Tupac. Throws down a great verse, too. Uh, just a sick beat and just... I am going to have to have a little bit of a quarry with you here. We're going to have to choose one. I'm sorry, ain't nothing but a G thing. He died. You should have seen this coming. Slam. Slam by Onyx. After the 90s, there really becomes, and not everybody, and there's definitely different people than underground people and people doing their own thing, but I feel like... I feel like a lot of people who were like getting on the air, getting on MTV during the 90s doing hip hop, there were a lot more people who really had their own like unique flow. And it's like, then we get 50 Cent, and I feel like for a long time, there was definitely a thing of a lot of people having a very kind of basic flow. These guys all have a different sound. Like you listen to this and they spit three verses and they all sound different. They've all kind of doing their own thing. The other thing I like is like, you almost kind of miss it if you just listen to the song once, but you listen to it again and you realize like, the sample in there, it's got like this like kind of jazzy trumpet sample, and the beat is not just like some hard like studio beat, it's like, it sounds like they're sampling like a fucking jazz record. And the cool thing about Onyx in and the song Slam is that it's this great little song that's halfway between 
NWA, but it's ha- it's halfway between between Dre and Tupac, California Lovin', and like De La Soul or Tribe Called Quest. You know, it's like they're filling that gap, and I really dig that, and and I and I like that they're doing that, and that leads us into. Exactly. Right before the outro, there's the yeah. that breakdown is fucking so good. Also, this song is so good. It's just got a groove to it. It's funky. It is a rock song, but it's also funky. I feel like there's a little bit of Prince to this song in being like, it's rock, but it's funky. That's Prince. <laughs> really stop and think about it. That song in particular is a fucking raucous it's a, motherfucker. It's like when you think of like just rock riffs. Yeah. Like where it's just like you're going to sit down on your guitar and play and you just want to fucking play something where you can just like jam this riff and just be like, yeah, feel good, feel psyched. It's it's in there in that top five. It's like, the smoke on the water of the '90s. Exactly. Like it's just it's a fucking awesome song. It's got this great fucking riff, and every time someone hears that beginning, they know exactly where they're at, and they're yeah. fucking happy about it. Yeah. You know, like, I'm yes. not in the wrong spot. <laughs> where it's just like it hits the right, it hits the sweet spot. Yeah. You know, it has that thing of just like it hooks everybody right away. Where it's just like, oh yeah. I dig it. I dig it. I'm on board. So had to put it in there. And that brings us to... 
introduce myself. My name is Humpty. Pronounce with the Humpty. And this is the Humpty Dance by Digital Underground from the album Sex Packets. To me, this is the this is the party anthem of the 90s. I just got such a great vibe. One of my fucking favorite songs. And so, obviously, not surprised at all. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's a great song. This is also supposed to be accessible to a child you definitely do have to play the censored version of this song it does have a lot of sexual content but it's like deceivingly dirty yeah we're like if you just had it on and there's a bunch of kids around like they'd be having fun they don't know what the fuck it means yeah you know but it's like humpty humpty oh humpty dumpty like everyone yeah like a, everyone like thinks it's like a fun thing and an eight-year-old's not gonna know what it means when he says it like, in the 69 about the context yeah like, i was actually saying like the opposite like this is actually like Something that a little kid would think is fun. But yeah, I mean, to me, this is like the party jam of the 90s. If there's a party and everyone gets to put one song on to try and really make the party jam, this is the song I go to. This is my first choice. It's fun. It's funny. It's He does have his, uh, uh, you know, his own kind of flow. It's got a groovy beat, you know, and, and, and uh, it just feels good. And that brings us to... With Diddy, this is the slow it's jam. Not as low. Friday I'm in love. It's it's almost impossible not to feel good listening to this song. And then you add to that Ms. Oklahoma, the cure is her favorite band. 
So you take a Cure song, and then you take the way I feel about Ms. Oklahoma, and it's like, this song is it. This song is perfect. So it's like, this is my anthem, because it's like, there's a reason why it connects, why it fills the spot so perfectly for me. My, what I feel, what this song evokes in me is just how happy I am to have my wife. Yeah, just a, just such a uplifting and happy feeling song. And just got a great tone and sound to it. I just, I just fucking love it. Gets us to today by the Smashing Pumpkins, and just a just a great. It rocks. It's got some edge to it. Also, just feels good. Feels like a putting the top down cruising song, and that takes us to the final hip hop selection.
This is, of course, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, a.k.a. Will Smith and Jeff. I don't remember his last name. Jazzy. Summertime. This song is fucking a really cool song. Just to kick back and chill. It's a summer barbecue song. Exactly. That's all you, when, when you put that song on, you think summer barbecue. You think relax, out with fucking family Feeling and good, feeling comfortable. Just happy to be around with mm, everybody. Exactly. So, had to get it in there. And uh, that brings us home. We're gonna we're gonna round it out with this. That is Space Hog. I do want to say this. In the meantime, this bass line is fucking oh, sick bass line. McGee. Like, it's got a great little time. groove. But the whole song is good. Yeah. And lyrics, the melody. One of the fun things about that generation, I feel like there was this kind of necessity to not take yourself too seriously. And I think this song really typifies that, where it's like, you're doing this really cool song, you know it's got a good hit, you're trying to make a good song out of it, but also like, you're, you're wanting to be silly with it too. You're gonna, you're gonna fuck around with it. You're not gonna take yourself, like it's that contrast from the, the hair band, you know, where everything was way too serious. Yeah. Like there was a little bit of um, levity, is that the right word? Levity would be a great word for it, yeah. yes. There's a little bit of levity that was well needed in the industry at that time. And this song I think definitely has that. That is a big thing of the 90s for me, of just people doing their thing. And this is, a, to me, is a great song that exemplifies that, of just letting it go. It's kind of recapturing a little bit of the glam, Bowie-esque kind of 70s bit. It's and it, But it's also got like its 90s flavor, um, you know, its alternative influences. And it's just having fun with it because sometimes that's what we need. And we need to appreciate that there is light and brevity and beauty in life. And we don't always have to be contemplating our own death. And yeah, and it comes back to like the whole idea of the Meredith Quill's awesome mix. She's leaving this thing for her kid to say, find the the joy in life. And I, that was something I really tried to go with, with for my mix was of like, she was really finding the joy. She's like, you know, like I think you said the phrase, don't forget to dance. Right. There was this thing to me that felt like she was leaving this thing for a kid where she's like, I know you're going to feel for a while that the dark part is overwhelming. 
So I want to make sure that even when I'm not here, I'm still here helping you find the light. And I, and I tried to capture that. The Nerd Obscurial Podcast is a Gadzooks and Nerd production. That's Gadzooks, G-A-D-Z-O-O-K-S. Find us on the web at gadzooksandnerd.com slash meow. Yes, meow. M-E-O-W. If you like the music, you can find more at gadzooksandnerd.com slash fields. That's fields, F-I-E-L-D-S. The Nerd Obscurial Podcast and its contents are, except for the steal this joke joke, the wholly owned and copyrighted property of Gadzooks and Nerd. So don't go stealing any of it, except, of course, for the steal this joke joke, or we'll have to sick big pretzel on you. Any works, products, content, Concepts or otherwise intellectual property not owned by Gadzooks and Nerd, mentioned or discussed in the Nerd Obscurial podcast, are done so under fair use for the purposes of commentary, critique, and obviously comedy. So please don't sue us because we can't actually sick big pretzel on anyone. The views, ideas, opinions, and beliefs expressed in the Nerd Obscurial podcast are solely those of its creator and your esteemed host, Eric the Troubadour, and do not represent the views, opinions, or beliefs of any individual or entity named, referenced, or alluded to in this podcast, including but not limited to Jim Carrey, Leonard Nimoy, The Wizarding World of Harry Potter and its parent companies, The Buggle, me, the Oklahoma Kid, Van's Shoes and its parent companies, James Gunn, Salvador Dali, my wife and her parent companies, the great state of Oklahoma, and of course, all cats everywhere on the internet. Hail Cthulhu. It would be interesting, though, but with the breathing fire thing of doing like a dragon kind of thing where you're actually going through like fantasy medieval kind of thing, you know, and the, the hamsters are what you would ride instead of a dragon, you know, oh. to, to actually go the opposite from it instead of the lasers. And at that point, you're you've decided to go sci fi. Well, you know what I mean, I mean, so would you do the whole range? Hamsters would have been there, but because hamsters were there and were these things that could fly and breathe fire, we never develop airplanes because we just have hamsters. So yes. would it go from like you'd start off and the website would start off like our first interaction with the hamsters was blah blah blah, and it starts with the ancient history and it goes through well, three thousand like- years of 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 human history, except now it's human history as it would have been if we had magical fire breathing hamsters that we had domesticated as. To, to fly around on as vehicles slash war mounts. Right. Well, but see, this because that, that, that it sounded I'm like that's where that, you yes. were going for. But I guess I was originally talking about like having in, in a Dance of Dragons, the uh, you know Game of Thrones mm-hmm. novel. It was the dragons being that force. Now, what if the hamsters were that force? You replace the dragons with the hamster. So it sounds like to combine the two. You would begin with that for all those wars that would happen within, like, the medieval times and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And then it would advance into a sci-fi thing where instead of breathing uh, fire, they would actually have the laser beams. Uh, Because, yeah, I, I definitely think that once you get into the modern age, it changes up things too much. If you're trying to have the hamster be the one conform to history rather than the other way around then you have to have like the hamster develop a gatling gun during world war ii or something right. or you, know, you have the the hamsters adjusting to the technology that the humans are putting upon it but the point of the fact is that's it 
what I was presenting was that it's like a hippogriff or a dragon or some kind of mythical beast from those fantasy theories that you could ride. I, I thought you meant when you said like a dragon you could ride. I thought you meant in terms of like transplanting that into human history. Yeah, well, I do forget about all the times that dragons were ridden in the Middle Ages and won so many wars. William the Conqueror, Battle of Hastings. Total Dragon Fest, dude. Hey, hey, look. I told you to put a... I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing. You look at Vietnam, you look at Afghanistan, total messes. What did they not have? Dragons. True. Dragons win wars. I told you earlier to put a pin in something. Muggle, and it please. Was you know that dragon's going to win The dog war. fighting thing. And so so this is where I, I want you to hear me out for a second. Oh, you want to have And this is probably fights. where the, I'm going to hell, of course. Yes. But the, the, yes, the problem is the problem is is that with the with the dog fights, right? We put them in this artificial environment. We train them up to be fucking killers and then we have them go after each other and that's fucked up and cruel. Yes. That's not what I want. Right. I want like hamsters came from somewhere. There's somewhere wild hamsters, right? Um, unless I'm mistaken. I, I don't know that much about hamsters, but best of my knowledge, these were rodents that were just chilling out in nature at some time. I want to take those ones, and they're doing like territorial mating fights, uh, you know, like like the the two rams hitting heads with each other on the side of a mountain, like that. I want to see in nature hamster fights i want to see those little guys going after it like that's my girl don't fuck with me so then the question is do you have david attenborough kind of stuff like this is a nature show yeah yeah. david attenborough yeah oh yeah i see the southwest african hamster raises to its hind legs i think i want to get across between that but i want to also have like a prize fight kind of like like i like okay that's what it would be. It would be like having a prize fight where one of them were David Attenborough, like the color commentary guy is David Attenborough, and then the blow-by-blow guy is like really just laying it down on like the technique of this hamster and doing his stuff while the David Attenborough's giving this like all the history and like the environment stuff and all of this, you know? Half nature documentary, half sport event. Could be going to hell for that, though. Uh, no, that's not as bad. I thought you were going to literally go with either A, dogfights, like Michael Vick dogfights, but with hamsters, or B, people fighting people with hamsters, like, See? as the wet, like... Like, like it's a sword fight. You know, you're fighting using swords. Like, I thought you were gonna be like, I hadn't people, thought of that. It's people just whipping hamsters back and forth. They've just got like a bucket of hamsters. Okay, just, just speedballing said, it right for the head. Like just looking at the beanball fight. Like a Three Stooges pie situation. <laughs> yeah. I do think ultimately of all the ideas thrown out, I think the one that's the most fun that we would enjoy the most because we're the one having to do uh-huh. this content. Those, I think that's the one where like they're like mounts. They're like horses or a, a technology in this, but there would have to be this fantasy thing about it. I'm interested with having it like trudge through time and eventually have them have lasers, like having the technology they get upgrades with the upgrades of human technology uh-huh. that are controlling them. Yeah. I think that's really interesting and cool. 
But I think though, because then also we get to set the rules of this world. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, World War Two. We got the Russians here and the Americans here and we got the Germans here and the Italians here. Like we don't have to deal with all that stuff, but we can really, we can zone in on the fact of like, this one had the best hamster. This one had the most right. hamster. Like the actual, like like I said before, the Dance of Dragons in that novel from the yeah, Song of not- Fire and Ice. Like there was an actual huge battle between these dragons. Like yeah, something like that. Where like the currency of power were hamsters. Yeah, like now having you know fucking nukes or something exactly you know who's got who's got the biggest who's got the biggest hand before it was you know who has the biggest fleet when england ruling the world it was because their fleet they had the best fleet and it'd be like yeah like that and it'd be taking hamsters and putting them in each rolls and you're right if you do in it in a completely like parallel universe not trying to tie into our these can't be our size hamsters these have to be huge no yeah they're like giant hamsters it'd be giant hamsters right these are Godzilla hamsters. I, right. I, I'm kind of picturing that there's. My flight would be so make so much more sense for them to. Yeah, no, the I, I, when I pictured them flying, yeah. yeah, I pictured them being like on a big ass, like a giant hamster, and they're like, you right. know, like like you say, like you would ride a dragon. Like yeah. it looks like they're riding yeah. these dragons, you know, basically. I kind of picture this world having like a range. It'd be like cats. You I know, we have like house cats. To just point out at we this have like point, wild though, cats. That right and now, this would be like... We are one. just describing a fantasy novel. <laughs> <literally> <laughs> hamsters. <laughs> right now, the internet and the hamster fight and all that have nothing to do with it. Right now, we're writing hamster fantasy novel fiction, and it will take over the world. <laughs> Go <Yes>. ahead. <laughs> uh, no, but I was saying what you do with it to make it a website is you make it a scholarly website. Like, uh, you make it like it's a real, like, right. like if you went to, you know, the Oxford, you know, Greek history department yeah. web page, right. it'd be like going to that, where this is like a scholarly, uh, historical uh. look into, done from this totally academic perspective, and it's telling this story of the history of this world where there are magical hamsters that people ride, like dragons, that persist up to the modern times and like how does that change like kind of how does how does that society build around that like instead of having you know airlines and that type of stuff like how you know what kind of different world are you looking at i love Uh, and i i do kind of picture like i said like cats you've got house cats you've got like bobcats the the hamsters that people fly you know for the hamster fights it'd be like someone riding into battle on like at the back of a lion kind of thing these are like categories. these are the lions of the hamster world, but there'd also be house hamsters, you know. So they'd they'd range. I just want to circle back real quick. I'm just saying I love that idea about the scholastic thing, and I just love like the whole formatting. Like I love looking at a book where there's like three honest sentence, and then the rest of the page is footnote. I love that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I'd love to see and do. It's just like, yeah, yeah just all referential. And what would be so fun would have it be you're still in a world where hamsters are the norm. So there's these other writers like this great thinker you know like you're talking yeah. about the modern age here and they're they're like oh no 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 it was uh xenon the terrible that was the greatest example <laughs> you know having the arguments of scholastic and yeah all that. you'd have different different people's uh theses right. on there arguing different aspects of it's hard to hamster the fight history thing. i that's what i would love to do and that's what that's what it should be that's what it should be 
See, I went the other my first thought. You were going with the other interpretation of, of the other slight. meaning of slights. I was slight of slight hand. Of hand. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. I was trying to decide whether I would I would like better people performing magic tricks with hamsters, like it's hamster slights, like vanishing hamsters, like no hamsters up my sleeve, and then whoop hamster, or the hamsters performing the tricks, like it's a hamster magician. Like the, a little hamster who does magic. I was thinking that, and now the, the more I'm thinking about it, what I would really want to see with this, I don't know how it would be a website. It would really have to be a sitcom. I want a sitcom about a hamster. YouTube channel. It's a, it's a show, and everybody else in the show is normal, but the main character is a hamster. And no one ever really like... Addresses it. Kind of like the dog in Family Guy. Like, okay, yeah. you know how the dog people are just kind of okay yeah, with the dog right. walking around. He's like talking. another another just part another... of the characters, another part of the scene. Yeah. Maybe not the protagonist, but, you know. Well, the hamster would be the protagonist, but but it would be like that where people are just kind of like, yeah, he's a talking dog. I don't, what, no, what's the big deal? But you if know? he's the center and the focus, then that makes it more difficult. Well, but see, no, because here's what I'm thinking. You have a show. <laughs> this, is, this is where my mind went eventually, uh, thinking about hamster sleight of hand is – you would have kind of a black comedy sitcom. Why is it going to be black? Well, there's there's different <laughs> semiotic, uh, linguistical, in characterations of different hybrid schemata for which to open a dialogue about the meaning of black. Nice. Um, so, nice. so yeah, thinking nice. about sleight of hand, this is where I kind of want to see it. Is you have a sitcom. The main character is a hamster, but everyone's just cool with him being a talking hamster. Yeah. But there aren't like a other or a lot, at least not a lot of other talking hamsters. It's just kind of this weird thing where like the audience would be like, wait, so they're just cool with the, but but they are like the dog. Yeah. And it would be about this hamster who is like a, a mid-level Vegas performer. Like he's not a yeah. he's not drawing the yeah. big crowds. But he's he, not on the strip. But he's he's, work, he's, he's in a, Vegas. But he's, he's not Vegas. on the strip. He's, he's a little off the strip. He's man. success. He's successful enough that he has a show. He doesn't have to do like birthday kids' birthday parties and shit right. like that. He's right. making a a honest living as a magician. You know, doing nighttime performances for an audience. Yeah. But he is like at the bottom end of that. Right. Like. He's above the birthday party guys, but but he's kind of on the bottom rung of like the legit serious guys, and it's and he's he's got like a, he'd be married to a human woman, <laughs> and we would just never ever breach like how that works, right? You know, it would just be that's his wife. It's this. It's you know. I do have to ask this because I just thought of a third interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, if we're Webster's Dictionary, I think there's a third definition of the word slight. Yes, skinny. So, Less mass. So my idea here. Wow. Why I asked this though? Your Pretzels. character. Your character here is that a, a deep fake situation where they have the, the the human bipedal form that just happens to have a hamster head. I'm picturing the hamster as like a siege. Also, Pretzels would really really like to apologize. To the African nation and the proud Are black people me? of America. You have to apologize because there's because you made who have fun of starving kids in Africa. Yeah, I feel like we should apologize. No, I'm just I'm saying like, I'm that just there saying, are commercials that's... about you know trying to help kids get money for the starving. There's organizations. I know there are, that. and I I'm not gonna. I, 
this. I don't know why we whatever, have to apologize. Whatever, for that, whatever opinions I might have about the <laughs> church, I am not going to disparage anyone. At but you didn't resources apologize to the. <laughs> you apologize to the Africans, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Is that it's common, commonly used here in America to have those advertisements, and I don't know why we're apologizing to Africans here. Because you're making light of their of their. I'm not making light of it at all. Kind of, you're saying replacing their faces with hamsters. That's a little disrespectful. It's a little cold-blooded. Those are starving children, dude. There's like some. There's sacred cows, man. You don't gotta kill every sacred cow. See, this is again that difference. Bob like, Saget you, is a sacred cow, and you, they deep faked him. You, so uh, you can deep fake anybody. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like it is that sen- that thing. We do have very different sense of humor. Like you are yeah. very much about like you know pushing buttons, and I'm about it's about getting weird. You know. Andy Kaufman pushing some buttons. You're and he was king weird. Well, there was he's a mix of the two, but it's like he's it's like the common difference. guy. He's you, our common guy. Yes, he would you, be the common guy. You really like? I I mean I find some of it funny, but it's not my bag. Sure. Sunny in Philadelphia, because that's all about. They're all about what can we get away with? How far can we go before it's too offensive? Sure. Is really what they're doing. And I, my favorite is like Futurama or the Mighty Boosh, especially the Mighty Boosh or the State. Where it's or kids in the hall, they where it's just like buttons, not too. as much. They the mighty boosh. They're not. They're not trying to like. Jesus is a bad carpenter by the kids in the hall. <laughs> well, that's low hanging. I mean, I'm not gonna. No, but there's no. no one who would ever touch that yeah. because of. But it is so good. Yeah. Um. um but no, like, like especially with mighty boosh, where it's just like the you know. Not you, non-bread thing. You know, like they're like, yeah. what if we put a guy in a non-bread costume since we said the word non-bread five minutes ago, and have him just lean into frame and come out, and then never explain why there's a piece of anthropomorphized non-bread there. You know, right. like mm-hmm. a just absurdity. Like that's what I like. Is absurdity. Like, You're right. You're right. Thing Whereas can... mine is about pushing buttons. Yours is more about what's the craziest. Mine's pushing buttons within the construct of society. Yours pushing buttons. On absurdity, like the concept, the constructs of perception. Ooh, sure. Did yes. I just think of that? Oh, look at this guy coming mm-hmm. up with smart things. Ooh, big flex. Oh, big flex. My. But yeah, I'm kind of picturing it being this like dark comedy. Sitcom. But you don't, you don't deep fake it where it's like. Okay. No, it's like a CG. Yeah. He's a CG hamster. Okay. He is hamster size relative to the other actors. He would look just like a regular hamster, but with little tiny suits of, of clothes put on him. And he would walk upright and talk just like a person. Regular hamster body, regular hamster head. And everybody would just treat this as like, yeah, this is perfectly normal. He's got like uh, a friend, you know, his best friend's got a gambling problem, you know. Uh, is, is It'd be kind of better if he was there, a street mu- magician. See, I don't want it to be too much he's scraping by. I want it to be like, I I pictured like the idea of not like the guy who's really struggling to make it. Because then you're kind of a little bit too much like it's the underdog story and you're really pull- – I want it to be like he's he's fine. Oh. He's he's making his living. He's got his house. He's not – they're not – YouTube viral, but he's known for being a street magician. So it's like he's trying to figure out how to get it to that next level. Like, um, I I wanted it more to be like almost like a workplace comedy about being in that like he's a performer he's in Vegas he does magic that's flashy and right. like ooh it's a cool skill well at least I, some people don't like it I think it's a cool skill you sure. know I am a magic fan 
Uh, I am a Penn and Teller fan. But no, it's like <laughs> I'm almost picturing it's like like he's got a solid job being a magician, but it's like maybe he's a little older, and it's kind of like he's having to see people come up and go make it when he when he knows he's not going to. Like right. this is he's he's hit a nice level for making it oh. for earning a living, but he knows he's never gonna so get, he's never the, gonna go big. That's the devil meaning of slight. Yes. Sleight of hand, he's a magician, but also he's being slighted all the time because he's stuck in this rut, and everybody else yeah. who's gone through him are going. Past. Yeah, and he has to see these guys that like you know show up on the strip, and he maybe takes them under his wing a little bit, and then next thing you know, they're surpassing him. Some of them become dicks about it. Some of them are still friends, you know. And then right. he's got like family stuff. Then don't try to fix it. And think of the summers of the past. Adjust the face and let the alpine blast. Yeah. Uh-oh, Oklahoma's got something. <laughs> so they need to do a show that their next thing where it should be kind of like WandaVision, like where it's like a sitcom, but it's like actually just the sitcom. Like there turned out to be all this other stuff going on in WandaVision. But they yeah, should do, right. they, do they that. Keep it the sitcom. They keep it the sitcom. And it's just Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic. And, you know, like, it's none of, like, it's all just them at home. It's it's just a sitcom about the home life of Mr. Uh, Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman. But no, just that they are a married couple. You were talking about that idea of, like, you know, like, these are superheroes, but we're going to show, like, the mundane arguments, you, you know, and, and, like, uh, yeah. and things with being in a relationship. And I was like, well, if you just took that to a full extreme, I mean, it would just literally just be a sitcom about the home life of Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic. Like, when they're not off saving the world, when they're just at home and like... Actually, this is the fucking dream. Point of view, just a camera on the side of a wall. Nothing doctored, not, not trying to make it. Just point of view, one camera, single cam... Couples therapy sessions between Sue Storm and Frank Richards. Reed Richards. Reed Richards. Why did I say Frank Richards? Because his son is Frank. Ah, Franklin. God damn it. Pretzels would like to apologize to Stan Lee for getting that all fucked up. True that. I would love that. That would be awesome. It would just be so good. That as a show. That premise as a show. If you expand it out, like... No, not not like the you keep it where it's like it's literally just like you've set up a camera documentary it's style single cam single cam documentary recording therapy sessions, but but go you could not just them do all. I the like the idea that it's couples therapy though. Yes, it yes, is that's just what I'm therapy. You could go. It through, is couples. It's couples therapy. therapy, and yeah, and you could go through other. You know, oh shit! From the so, so you, you go like Black Widow and um, Incredible Hulk. Yeah, you go, yeah, 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 you, go, yeah. You, have, you could have like ones for all. You could have all the different characters come in with their relationship. Oh shit! You know, yeah. each episode will be a different couple. Yeah, okay, exactly, I got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that actually, that that is so meta. That's too good. You can't yeah. not do that. It's like the middle of the night, pitch black. There's not been another car. There's not been a building. There's not even been like a street sign for hours, right? Just nothing. All of a sudden, I start seeing some shit. 
the windshield wipers have turned into little salamanders. Dogs are going by on those, like, penny-farthling bicycles from the 1900s, you know? Like, fucking George Clooney's sitting in the back reading out loud from William Shatner's memoir. I look over to the side, and I'm just like, Miss Gaga, not only do I not think that was just tea, I don't think that guy was either a lawyer or a shaman, let alone both. She looks me dead in the eyes says, you just keep driving. Goes right back to cleaning her guns. Well, she has an antique Derringer that was actually owned by a Prussian soldier in World War I, taken as a souvenir by a French gendarme who volunteered for the army. A couple Smith and Wesson, Wesson, uh, six shooters, Wethams. Smith and Wethams. She's got some, 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 some West Smiths. Yes. Two yes. Smith & Wessons or just one? I mean, a couple. I a couple. I can't keep track. Right. Um, you know, I can't tell if they're the same ones. But these were just like exclusively several. handguns. She didn't uh, have any kind of high magazine assault rifles or any kind of real heavy artillery. Well, according to Miss Sawed Gaga. off shotguns. Any, anything else? Just handguns? According to Miss Gaga, high magazine and heavy artillery like that, she says is for people who miss impressive she says she only needs six and that's assuming there are six people actually more pimp would be i only need six and that's assuming there's seven people 